0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday morning D&D show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host Sir Lucian from Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, welcome everybody to another Saturday morning. It's going to be a good one. It is going to be a good one. Um, it is a hostful episode, as we have no guest, but it is, it is full of hosts. Um, yeah. And yeah, we have not a lot of D&D news to talk about, like in the news. But we both played a bunch of games this week, um, so we'll have that to talk about, which should be really good. And I saw, oh, I should talk about this, little banter beforehand. I went and saw Ready Player One yesterday. I think I want to go tonight, and but yeah, go ahead. Yes, you should definitely go. Uh, the book, it is heads and tails different from the book. Like It's the same kind of idea, um, but the the three little paths he goes on to find these these keys, to find these Easter eggs, are completely different in the movie. But I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought it was, um, like, super fun. I don't know. It was it was really engaging and, and just full of, like, nerdy references and stuff. Not yeah, enough d d like... references, but there's a couple in there that was like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. It looked awesome.
1: Like, like a pop culture extravaganza of yeah. stuff to, to kind of go nostalgia over or, or even relevant over and like, oh, look
0: at that, look at that, look at that. No, it totally is. And uh, I went with my wife, and she was freaking out because they had, like – there's, like, a little scene where – hello kitty and hello kitty's friends are like walking in the background and then she go. was like a huge hello kitty fan i guess back in the day so she was like what and freaking out so
1: yeah you can get all those fandoms come together in one thing that's crazy
0: but they're probably hello... all owned by disney at this point say what
1: they're probably all owned by disney at this point
0: yeah yeah disney owns what is it of the movie industry now I read I'm just like that is a monopoly like after they acquired Fox and something else they own 40% of the movie industry um which just feels crazy to me um but hello chat we've got Karza we've got the Dawn Seeker we've got Darkseid this is nice to see you guys um hanging out with us this wonderful Saturday morning um
1: indoor adventure
0: indoor adventure what was I going to talk about? So literally, right before the we video, started
1: record the video, you wanted to talk about your little video in the beginning. oh, I did.
0: Thank you. So we have um, this. This is why we're this is why we're good co-hosts because I forget what I'm talking about. But um, for the people on YouTube that are commenting that the intro is too long, I totally understand because most of the intros on um, videos on YouTube are like maybe five seconds. Um, So I totally get this. Uh, And there's been a couple people who have have said, please, like, shorten the intro. But when I say a couple, I, I literally mean that. We've had two people complain about it. And on the other side, I've had a bunch of other people tell me that they love the intro and that I should keep it the same way. So I hear you, people that are like, hey, this is too long for YouTube. But I also understand that the majority of people seem to enjoy the intro, and you can skip it. So, so this is my compromise is that I, I'm not, I don't care if you watch the intro, it's always going to be the same 30 seconds. You can just fast forward a little bit. Um, and I hope that's okay. I hope that's a nice compromise. So maybe we won't see comments like that anymore about the intro being too long, or maybe we will, but, uh, that's, we're going to keep it the same. So don't worry for all those people who enjoy the, the intro
1: majority rules on Saturday morning D and D show. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And then, okay, so what else are we jumping into here? Um,
1: There was something else
0: I wanted to talk about, and I completely am spacing it now. The intro was was one thing. I remember you mentioned, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it'll come to me in a little bit. But Mr. Lucian, what did you do in D&D this week?
1: Been a pretty busy week. Um, started off with a little bit of Storm King's Thunder is on a hiatus, our Monday night show. So what I ended up doing was uh, I jumped on Twitch and we did a Let's Brainstorm campaign ideas. We had a couple people join in and throw out some really cool ideas for if I was going to run another short mini campaign, what what kind of ideas would we have? What And it was different from like maybe some different types of games, maybe some different type of genres, or maybe just a theme to the game of like, maybe there's no magic or maybe there's a monster hunter international or maybe there's um, a pretty standard numenera game or what are some different things we can do in dungeons and dragons somebody threw out uh, a groundhog day kind of adventure and i just thought yeah that would be interesting where you have a really tough set of complex things that players need to do and it's meant For them to die a few times but every time Mm -hmm. they all die it resets and they get a chance to go back at it again and see if they can find another way and then the twist to it was whatever xp they earned they keep so Mm -hmm. all the experience they're getting and maybe they're getting tougher and maybe they get more hit dice or maybe Mm -hmm. they get more spells and then finally they get through it i thought that was kind of a cool idea uh, for an adventure I hadn't thought about doing in a Dungeons and Dragons one, so that was kind of cool. So it was always fun to get onto Twitch and just brainstorm with people. And uh, so that was our Monday night. You Chief haven't Inhilation. listened to oh,
0: um, you don't you haven't listened to the Adventure Zone, or have you heard of the Adventure Zone?
1: I have heard of them. I have not listened to many.
0: So the McElroy brothers run a podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me, and it's that's a fun podcast too, not D and D related. But they, through that podcast, were just like, we should play D&D. And so they started a and d podcast called The Adventure Zone. Um, and they totally do – there's a whole s- season that is that groundhog thing that you're thinking of. Um, oh, so if you want to listen to something about – if you want to listen to it to get an idea for how it works, he does a really excellent job because um, there is basically this, like, cataclysmic thing that kills them all at the end of a day. So they have one day to figure out, like – clues and stuff to try to stop this thing from happening um and then and then they die and then they respawn and they have they're at the beginning of the day and they have to do it again and so the whole adventure was them trying to stop this like cataclysmic thing from happening um that's super cool it was really clever and really cool and and just to like assure you or like point out I guess like it can it can be done and I think it's a really awesome thing to do so the only reason I've never tried it in one of my games is that all of my players listen to the McElroy brothers and the Adventure Zone so it would be kind of like oh you're ripping off them Jordan but if you have like new players who don't then that's really clever
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I like it it's I I think I want to tackle it at some point so that's pretty good Uh, I did see Karza asked a question in there before it gets too far off. He's talking about uh, his group is approaching the final fight in Rise of Tiamat. Super big battle and such. Any advice DMing those big end of campaign scenarios? Uh, For me, whenever I'm going to end a big battle, so we kind of did it with uh, McLancy Waddle, one shot that you played in, and we had the big climactic battle at the end. To me, I think the you have to put in a few showcase scenes for the characters that they can really get a chance to shine. And so it's a, but it won't be combat related. It'll be cinematic related. It'll be how you describe the scene, how you describe the lighting or what's going on or how you, how you have the music uh, interact with it a little bit or, because you're really trying to build up your final, you know, your final camera shot Mm -hmm. is the way I was thinking of it. But I also think, Always leave, I think, some type of tiny cliffhanger, right? So at the end of ours, you guys had a a young bard that was following you who was going to watch the horses. And we did the big final battle. You guys beat it. It was great. Some things happened. But then you went back to your horses, and the the boy was gone. Yeah. And we ended. So it was impactful. It was um, something to remember and something to draw them in. And even if we never play again that's something that will be memorable of the of the session so i think um it's it's more about the cinematicness of it than it is about coming up with cool mechanics that they're going to have to fight on that last boss because the last boss always is anticlimactic for a dm in my opinion so far Mm -hmm. because anytime there's one creature versus five players or six players They just beat the crap out of that thing (laughs) every time. So, I mean, unless it's completely overpowering them in some way, then it's just going to beat them if it's even remotely close because they get to go seven times in a turn and you get to go once or twice, you know what I mean? And so... I don't know, the, the one-off big battles don't seem to go from a DM point of view as good. So you have to dress it up cinematically. You have to introduce cool monologuing. You've got to uh, describe the scene really It's your chance to really be creative in describing what's going on, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, from a like mechanical standpoint, um, I like to introduce skill challenges a lot. I just like skill challenges because they're fun. And I have my own particular way of doing a skill challenge, um, which I can talk about now or later don't need to, but for the, and this might be different because, or difficult because it's rise of Tiamat. So it's kind of like the book has like, here's what the fight is, but I like to do fights leading up to the big fight. So for instance, in, in the last like culmination of my last campaign, they were trying to stop the resurrection of this dark purple dragon named Skatha, who was trying to like rule the world through mind control and so they, they they were trying to stop, stop some drow that were going to resurrect this, this dragon. Now, there were like little fights against pockets of drow that led up to the main priestess and her cronies. And that was a huge fight. And, and so we had this awesome big fight. And then at the end of it, they won, but there was still um, an urgency to stop the ritual. So then we turned that into a skill challenge. So does the skill challenge actually stop the ritual? Um, And they ended up failing the skill challenge. So the ritual did happen, which then escalated. Like, whether they succeeded or failed, it would have escalated into the next fight. So it kind of goes fight, skill challenge in the middle, and then another climactic big fight. And this time it was against the, like, risen Skatha who had come back. Um, And they just got obliterated because it was an ancient dragon versus, like, level eight characters. So they Mm -hmm. all died, and then the twist because it's kind of fun to have a twist, I guess. Um, And if you can think of, and that's, again, this is hard because it's already a pre-written module, but like if you can have a fun twist um, where the players get to feel super powerful, um, that could be like, they're infused with the energy of their God or there's something else. So in my case, they um, died, they went to not died, but they were, they were attacked. And then in a flash of light, they went to this other plane of existence which looked like just a nice grassy hill mountaintop. And they ended up meeting Saverus, the God of divination, who played a key role through all of this. And Savras said, we needed, we needed you guys because the gods couldn't interfere with this, but we couldn't have Savaris, um or we couldn't have this evil purple dragon take over the world. So... We're going to bestow you some gifts so that you can tackle this this problem. So when they came back, I had new character sheets for them, and they were basically like like CR twenty monsters, and oh, they were nice. able to like wail on this dragon as these giant monsters, and they felt super powerful. And it was like I don't know, it was just this really awesome like final battle that we had with them. And not every battle has to be like that, but. Uh, the climactic ones, definitely, it feels cool to have that. And so I like that structure of like just a regular fight to see how they do that fight kind of impacts how the skill challenge is going to work out. And then the skill challenge impacts how the final battle is going to work out. Um, and that could be anything from like off the top of my head, they do a battle. They have a skill challenge because the, like the ruined temple they're in is caving in. So they maybe have to escape this ruined temple, which culminates into, um, a fight where like rocks are falling from the ceiling and because they weren't able to like stop the ritual that causes the temple to fall. And so you just add extra little moments that, that cause problems, but that was a long winded answer, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Yeah.
1: I think it's tough. That's, that's the tough thing. Cause that's what you're building to in your whole campaign and all of the stuff leads to it. So there's probably never going to be one right way to do anything, no. but there's probably lots of right ways and there's lots of okay ways and you're going to find very few wrong ways, but yeah, um, they're, it's tough to. That's a tough one to do, I think.
0: And don't don't. Uh, I, I think it's okay if it does feel a little anticlimactic because that's hard. Like it's just hard, and not every final battle is going to be like, "Whoa, this was amazing!" Like it could just be that they the dice rolled in their favor and they're whatever, but. I don't know. Another thing is you could fudge some dice and just kind of make it so they get a couple natural 20s to make the <laughs> yeah. the stakes a little higher. But and it's interesting. Em- environmental forget. hazards, I think, are something that we don't use a lot in regular battles. And if you throw in some environmental hazards like lava vents that are spewing heat, they can use those to their advantage or they can also be disadvantaged to the, the players in the sense that they're getting damage taken or um, something happens, you know, so.
1: Yeah. And, and I don't know about other players, but all the one that I played with so far, I might've set up a battle where I thought it was going to be very good and they just walk through it like nothing. Yeah. And when I talked to them about it, they still liked the battle. Like they loved it. I didn't at all. Cause I felt like, ah, oh, it wasn't even a challenge for them. They didn't even get sweat. I don't even think I heard any of them, mm-hmm. but when I'm talking to them two or three days after they love the battle. So don't underestimate how much fun your players are having, even if they walk through whatever you thought was going to be challenging or didn't end up being challenging. Cause yeah. they have just as much fun, you know, beating things up too. So it, it, sometimes we try to make a balanced fight for ourselves because we want it to be balanced and challenging, but for them, they're just there to use their characters abilities and, you know, get some treasure and level up. So yeah. <laughs> we got to remember. So that's pretty good. Good question. It, uh, from chat there. Lots of, key, lots of people in there. So Tuesday night was Tomb of Annihilation, um, the Adventure League, and it was interesting. They uh, Anarisis, The our GM, said he did an article for Adventures League. They oh, did an really? article on him running a game, and um, he posted it in his area. So if you go back and you watch that, I think he posted a link to it. They interviewed him about how it is running an Adventure League's game online. And so... Pretty good. So I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, my barbarian made third level. This is one I get to play in. So I'm super excited. I'll yeah. talk about my character all day long. I have to decide before we play again if I'm going to be a Storm Herald or a Zealot. Um, those are my big choices coming up because I want to play those. But super fun. We had some really good jungle fights. Um, we have a good party of NPCs with us that are helping us out. Like our guide is a pretty tough guide, and we have a cleric that we're helping with the quest. But we're starting to realize she might be pretty high level because she's thrown out some spells that are pretty cool. Um, what is it called? It's not, uh, is it sacred guardians or it's a third level spell or second level spell, I think is very good. Like we had not realized how good this spell is. You might look it up. It's an AOE spell that fires off a cleric of some sort. That's about a 15 foot circle and it's 2d8 damage every turn some creatures in that just constantly oh it's like a zone um, that they take damage yes yeah. and what we've done is we've kind of placed our bodies in between her and the mobs the creatures the things we're fighting so they can't hit her which means it doesn't drop her concentration so it's just like this big damage hit happening every single time nice. it's the creature's turn and it was like you don't come across a lot of spells that do that in D and D. so that's a good one you know, keep keep an eye out for that one. That was really cool. So we've been having a lot of fun. We're in the jungles fighting cool stuff. Um, good players. Good PB was back. PB was on an a iPad of some sort, I think, and playing. So it's super awesome to see her back and gaming with us, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, Wednesday night, Crypts of Kelimvor. We played a second session of that. Unf- not unfortunately, because these guys are great and they're having a lot of fun. We need one more session. We didn't mm-hmm. quite get through the whole thing. So... When I, uh, when everybody says if we're going to play Crips and Kellybore, for me, it's a three night, three part session. So just keep that in mind because the way all the battles roll out. But they had fun. It's a Dragonborn fighter, a Yuan T, um, Bard, and a Kobold Sorcerer. And they are, the, my players right now are super creative, come up with cool ways, had really fun. And it feels like, Three players is such a good number for a, a oh, yeah. D&D 5e because it feels like things are still challenging to them. It doesn't feel like they're just walking through everything. They're not They're not getting out without a scratch or two, but it's not anything they can't handle. So I. And for some reason, the difference between a three player and a four player I'm just starting to find is very different,
0: which and is they, very they weird. They get a moment to shine, too. Like, because there's just fewer players, they, like, have that, like, I helped out and I did this as opposed to, like, oh, I granted advantage to other player, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Combat
1: feels more fluid, goes by a little quicker because you don't have so many things going on um, and you can really focus on it. So I'm, I don't know, I'm liking small size parties for D&D 5e right now because I've done six and seven at this point size for Storm King's Thunder. And, man, when you do a battle with seven players in, in D&D 5e and they're fifth level, it takes an hour to get through one round of <laughs> combat, you know, because everybody's got a million things they want to do. So yeah. uh, I'm starting to like the small group play for D&D 5e. So that's been that's been pretty fun. But we're going to get one more night of that. I think it might be Wednesday again, and we'll finish that one up. They're good. They've all got voices. They're all creative. They've got mega background. They've been typing in Discord about their background and how they fight for three weeks now. And I'm just like, these guys are into their characters. Which is super fun because when you have that enthusiasm yeah at your table, your job is a hundred times easier when they're that into their character. You know, so it's so good. No, uh, I caught Thursday the tail night, end of it. Oh, yeah. It
0: looked like everybody was having lots and lots of fun. So yeah. yeah.
1: It's cool. It was really fun. Um Borderlands is my Thursday night game and This is interesting. I didn't even write it in the notes. Um, I experimented with a downtime play session. So they've made it back to camp, and I told them they had just raised up a level while they were out out adventuring. And I told them they could have their hit dice while they were out adventuring, but the only way they could get their abilities or spells or new powers or new whatever is they had to be back at town. Right. So they immediately beat feet back to town Mm because they wanted all their new stuff. And when they got there, I said, "Okay, I want the town to advance a month in time. I want things to happen. I want you to help out. I want to see what you guys are going to do with a month time of you realizing you're not going to go on any adventures. There's nothing going on in town that you need to investigate or none of that stuff. Pure downtime session. And it worked really well. Like, each of the characters found things they could do that would either help people that are there. So, like, they built the wall around the camp that they didn't have before, so that got finished. Um, one of the players raised a protective totem that his he had a vision from his brand-new god. He decided to multi-class, so he's a second-level fighter, first-level cleric. And we had to explain how out in the middle of the wilderness did you all of a sudden just become a cleric and get powers yeah. in a day. Right. So, But we've been building up to it, and it it finally came out that um, he has the powers, he's been granted, he's raised this totem up, and they built it, and it's a protector of this camp that they have to keep things up. And then we had other people doing stuff, they were investigating how to create poison, some people made potions, some people started planning how they were going to build a better dock so that more ships could come in to the camp. And so I thought it was really cool. So my idea was is that I would do these sessions maybe once every four or five after regular four or five adventuring sessions, and then come back with like a downtime session. That's all about advancing the world around us in time. So it worked out really fun. Um, I still should be broadcasting it, but we haven't, Um, but it's been (laughs) a good game. It's a game that I get to explore and try out. This is the game that I only prep one hour before we start. Yeah, Like nothing I do at all for this game until one hour before and we just go with it. And it's been really good. It's helped me learn to improvise and learn how to think on the fly. Um, and so it's been pretty fun. I, I, I won't say that I would do it for every adventure campaign, but you do need to do it to push yourself to, to be ready for what they could possibly
0: do. Maybe if... Well, this is just a random thought, but if you don't want to stream the game, because you are streaming like every other game you play in, so it kind of makes sense to have one that you don't want to stream, but like maybe to maybe stream or record your prep. Like I know a lot of people would find that interesting, especially for such a unique game where it's it's you're only prepping an hour before like that could be interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: I think eventually I'm going to talk these guys into letting me broadcast it because I think it's going to work out and I think it might be maybe my podcast version i've been thinking about i want to do one that's non-video yeah and is meant for podcasts so we go out of our way a little bit to say oh i rolled a 17 and i got a plus three for this bonus and that gives me a 20 so that people are listening understand why it's not just like okay i rolled dice they can't see the screen so they don't know necessarily what you rolled if they're just listening to it right yeah so i was thinking about doing one because again i'm always experimenting with campaigns and how to run them and how to do mm-hmm. things and I think this one might be the one where I experiment. What is it like to run a podcast campaign where it's just voice? Everything is about listening. Nothing's about visual anything, you know? Yeah. So I think that'd be pretty fun. And then my final thing as I've taken up a whole bunch of time. Uh, last night, I went to Marmalade Dog 23. That's at Western Michigan University holding their gaming convention. And I volunteered to run a game of Mass, the oh, new cool. generation. We had Greybeard showed up and played sat down next to me and played, but then we had three, you know, four people I'd never met. Um, one person that had played the game before, three people that had never played it before. And we had a fantastic session of creating characters, creating a superhero teenage angsty team, and going through like a fun adventure where they fought a villain and they won and yeah. they realized there's more to the story and um, just a really cool thing. And it's those type of games, these powered by the apocalypse games, 2d6 plus a stat game that that have been come super popular in the last couple years are super fun from a narrative standpoint they're so creative to say because your powers are just like uh you have electricity powers okay so that's all it'll say on your thing and be like and so all through the night you know the person would ask me uh can it shoot out like lightning and i'm like Hey, you tell me how your powers work yeah how is, you know what you tell me what's happening yeah and they're like oh this is cool and i'm like okay we're in a warehouse and the the bad guy's crushing you know some crates and they're like well what's in the crates i'm like i don't know you tell me what's in the crates. Like, <laughs> oh, it's it's really cool technological stuff because you're bringing a lot of the players into the creative process from the beginning mm. in the middle all the way to the end so it becomes a storyline that we all have agency in mm-hmm. like to use that word recently and we all have uh like a horse in the race almost of we want it to be a good story and it's not just the dm saying this is what's happening you know the players get to jump into so it's a little bit more freewheeling it's a little bit harder for somebody who comes from a structured rpg because i, I could tell one of the players looked like a very solid D and D player, maybe had played no other game and they're looking at their character sheet thinking like, well, where's all my actions? Where's all my spells? Where's all my abilities? And in, in powered by apocalypse games, it's more about kind of making up stuff on the fly. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a set move, you know, you don't have to say, Oh, I'm going to use my combat action and then I'm going to use my second wind. And I'm going to do this. It's not like that at all. It's, it's just being narrative in, in the fights and it's super fun. So, I liked it. Uh, when we're done with today's show, I'm driving back over and I'm going to get a whole bunch more gaming in today. See what I can get in. I might try to play or I might offer to to run something else. So today is our show. And then tomorrow night, uh, interview with CJ from nice. Don't Stop Thinking. Great YouTube channel if you're brand new to Dungeons and & Dragons and you want to know about classes or how to play. Or if you're brand new to GMing, he's done some GMing stuff too. Uh, and he has a creative videos. He does animation uh for his videos and they look really good. He's a really creative guy and definitely check out his channel. So it's don't stop thinking on YouTube. And we're gonna get to interview him uh tomorrow night. Sweet. That has been my week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh the mask game where you're powered by apocalypse and making kind of uh rather than like looking at your your sheet and being like okay I've got like attack A or attack B and I just have to choose between the two of them and that is kind of like what D&D is and I like D&D because of that um but these more like narrative driven systems are interesting much like Numenera which brings me into the Numenera game that I played on nice Monday segue. um <laughs> it was a really combat heavy game and Numenera is interesting in combat because uh, and I, the way I phrase this, I think I was writing down cause I wanted to make sure I get it correctly, but like the, the, in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, if you use your action for not an attack, you can often feel like you wasted your action. So let's say, for example, uh, in the Numenera game, uh, our party got split up um, Silica decided to go off by herself and got in you know, a in a hole full of a bunch of um she like fell down a, a passageway into this like cavernous region and it was full of a whole bunch of like weird egg sacs. And these weird slugs were coming out of these egg sacs, and it turns out that they're these parasitic uh mind control slugs. So they're trying to like latch onto your spinal cord so that they can control you. And it is jumping at her and she's trying to fend it off. Meanwhile, we're looking for her. We ended up finding her and we went down into the caverns and combat breaks out because there's all these slugs around here. Well, one of the slugs attacked one of our other party members and I used my entire action to pull the slug off of him before it could do that. Like I had to rip this thing off of his flesh and like toss it aside. And I felt like a badass because I rolled a really high like might roll, my strength roll basically, and I pulled this thing off and and that was my action. But in D&D, I would be like, well, I could either attack twice and do a bunch of damage or I could try to like pull that off and not do any damage. And it kind of is this weird, like, did I waste my turn because I didn't actually attack? Did I waste my turn because I didn't cast a spell? And I like Numenera because I, I like D&D, but I enjoy the fact of Numenera that you can have these story driven combats. And we were talking about it after the show. So this wasn't on the air, but just how Numenera does like this collaborative kind of storytelling combat uh, where there's not really initiative, there's not really um, a turn order. It's just kind of like, what do you want to do? And then you roll it. And so I could just say I hit it with my hammer, but it was better for me to say, I'm going to rip this thing off and like throw it over there. Or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to, I'm going to try and like delay this guy. And I want to like parry him and push him back. And it's like, okay, you want to push him back and, and try to like trip him up, do another might roll. Like you're pushing him with this. And so I get a roll every round. Like I get to do something cool, but it's this like narrative kind of driven thing. And that was just an epic fight. Like, and I, and it was after that, that I realized, um, that I super enjoy combat in general, but I really enjoy combat in Numenera now, but our GM, Mike, he was like, not really into combat that much. He's like, Numenera is fun for combat, but it's not, it's not a combat driven game. So we don't do it as much. Um, whereas like a game of D and D, you have to have some kind of combat in the night. I mean, you don't have to, but like, it's, it's kind of. Like, it would that's be hard to do a campaign without yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, a typical knight of D&D will have two or three fights for me. Um, yeah. But a typical game of Numenera, we've gone whole sessions without having any combat. Um, but I really like the combat. In Numenera, there are these devices called ciphers, which are kind of, like, one-time-use magic items. And mine are – one of mine was, like, a big explosion. And so in order to, like, try to take out as many of these guys as possible before we basically ran away because we were too scared. Um, And Silica had, like, this weird mind control thing on her. So we're, like, we got to get her out of here and see if we can get this thing off. Um, I used one of my ciphers. So I have this, like, robotic arm, and I set my arm out. And, um, a bomb basically came out of my arm and like fired kind of like Iron Man style. And I ended up doing all this cool ice damage to everybody. Cause we had to roll for the damage type. And then, uh, Wylock our our like basically mage of the group created this like force field wall to protect us while we like ran out of there and escaped. But it was like down to the wire, whether we thought Silica was going to live or not, which then segues into the other thing I wanted to talk about, which was like character death and keeping keeping that that real, like you could die in this game, is, is something that I have not been doing as a DM very well. Um, my characters are really overpowered, and I'm trying now to throw deadly encounters at them in our home game that I'm running because I want them to feel like death is a real thing, but they don't feel like that at all. Like they're just so stupid overpowered and they can heal for so much. And even when somebody drops down, um, it's usually within, like, a couple rounds that they get back up because they're healed somehow via healing word or cure wounds or something like that. Um, so I don't know. It's it was kind of this eye opener with both the Numenera game because I'm like, man, we could die. Like this is a this is a real thing, and it that state of urgency was just right there, and we were panicked the whole time, or at least I was, I should say. That segues into, I'm using the word segue too much, but <laughs> that segues into- <laughs> Proud sponsor um, of the show. Yeah, our sponsor of the show, Segway, yeah. Uh, that turns into my Adventure League game where two people died in our Adventure League game. And I've never been in a d game and I haven't killed any of my players before. Well, I've never been in a DD d game where somebody's died because I don't play a lot. But I've, the games that I've DM'd before, I've never killed anyone yet. So it's kind of like- holy cow, and and he was just rolling the dice, but we made some really poor decisions. Um, We're playing through Sunless Citadel, which is in Tales of the Yawning Portal, an older adventure, and this is kind of a, a difficult adventure. For some reason, our fighter decided to not, like, check the door to see if it was, like trapped or anything behind it and he's just like i'm done with this i'm gonna open the door and he o- flings open the door and there's 35 goblins on the other side of this door like packed into this room he instantly gets stabbed by a goblin so we shut the door and we're just like well what do we do um and they're like w-, and our wizard was just or our druid the druid um he was like well we can take this we'll we'll just funnel him through the door and like kill them off one by one thinking that they're going to be like dumb goblins But the dungeon master wasn't playing him like dumb goblins. And so it became readily apparent as we were trying to like kill the goblins that they were smarter than that. And um, I finally had to turn to our druid and just, oh, sorry, I have the hiccups. This is awful. I'm on stream. But I had to turn to the Druid and finally say, they're not as dumb as you think they are. Like, we need to leave. And he's like, no, no, I think we can take them. And then the DM finally said, they're not as dumb as you think that they are. You probably need to leave. Like, hint, hint, I'm going to murder you all if you stay here. Um, yeah. Being a bard, I have cure wounds. So I was, like, running. I was basically, I'd run in, I'd cast cure wounds, and then I'd run back out. Because I, didn't, I was hiding behind these pillars for cover finally we let we leave but as we're leaving there's a couple of stragglers that are just like no no guys like like stay with it we can totally fight we can totally do this and i'm like we totally can't and the sorcerer died. Like, she she went to zero, she rolled her death saving throws, and she died. And then the wow. the gnome paladin did the same thing. He's like, well, I'm going to fight to the death. And I'm like, that's your call. Like, I'm a little more attached to my character than I guess you are. I'm out. <laughs> I don't know. I was, like, I was like, we need to just leave and regroup, guys. And everyone else was like, yeah, I guess so. And so he died. It, it'll be interesting to see if they come back with new characters next week or if they're just kind of like, well, I guess I died. I'm done for a little bit. But...
1: Yeah, yeah. Indoor adventure asked about what happens when a player dies in a session, like, um, and it really depends. Like, so Adventurers League, it's probably going to be something like where you come back, like you're saying, with another a new character in the next yeah. session. Yeah, no, that's exactly. You don't it. know who you're going to get to play with. Like, but if you're in a campaign, out,
0: so <laughs>
1: yeah, if you're in a campaign that like Mir Jordan are running, and it's our home game or or whatever, you have to. Uh, we had one that died uh, in our camp, Storm King's Thunder campaign. Uh, the black slime. Uh, the black pudding killed our player and so at the end of that we did the very next scene this was super cool the very next time we played most of the session was about the burial and funeral of that player's character that's fun and then in the interim on a different day not on our normal night I did a session where he rolled up a new character that was going to join the group and we played through an adventure so he could introduce that character and then we could work him into why does he suddenly stumble upon the party. And then when he got there, we just, I just let it roll. Either the group's going to, you know, accept the player in or, or not. And then we'll move on and we'll figure out another way for something to happen. But mostly the players are good because they know that their friends coming back in for the most part. So they don't, they don't put the screws to that person typically, unless they're just kind of joshing with them or whatever. But um, I think a lot of people will handle it differently. And if it's in the middle of the session, like if you die the first 10 minutes into your session and you've got a four-hour session going, you're probably just going to be sitting there hanging out because there's not a lot of time for the GM to say, well, let's stop everything and let's let you do a new character. Let's go through that. Because D&D characters take at least... More, it's got to be more than an hour to build,
0: right? Um, I mean, you could I would probably say you do, could do it in one. an hour, but like if you're particular and you have to level up, like if you're level five and you have to make another level yeah. five character, then yeah, it, it, it'll it take you an hour or so.
1: Yeah. And if you wanted to have background, you want to have right. a, re, a true attachment to it, not just DCC wise, where I'm just going to throw another zero level in and, and we'll see what happens yeah. kind of thing. I think D&D has... I've seemed to spend a lot of time on D&D when I make those characters. Other systems, maybe not so much, but um, so I think it's interesting. So it's a good question. There's not a great way to handle it. Uh, I've seen or players, heard Players, be careful, uh, don't
0: die. I've heard of people just leaving. It's like if you died yeah. within the first 10 minutes, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go home and I'll come back next next week kind of thing with a new character. Let me know how it turns out. <laughs> yeah, cuz it's just like there's no reason for me to be here. Um and definitely for Adventures League, they just hung out for for like 30 minutes because they died and they were like, I guess I'll just like watch for the rest of the 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 game, you know, and see how it goes. But yeah. Eventually well, we it gets weird because you die. do just like, like next week I probably won't be playing sunless Citadel. I'll probably be playing something else because our DM is gone. So you just kind of sit down and you're like, okay, your spell slots are back. Like you all know each other for some reason you're like running around. Um, but a game yeah, like Adventure you're League's talk- not
1: worried about tying in background. Yeah, as
0: no. Much. But a game that yeah. you're talking about where it's your home game and you are kind of worried about that, then it it becomes a little more like, well, do you trust this new guy that came in, like everybody knows that it's your friend that wants to play with you, but you kind of like role play it like somehow and I don't know. There's a great there's a great movie called The Gamers that was made in Seattle with a bunch of like nerds who made this like role playing game movie and it's it's super funny. And I think it's on, I think it's on YouTube. You can probably find it for rent or, or something, but it's called the gamers. And one of the characters in that movie dies. And then they like find a new character. It's like, Oh, is this your new character? And they're like, yeah. And they walk up to him and he's just like, I would like to join you. And the other player party members go, you seem trustworthy. Join us. And it, it's like, I remember thinking like, isn't that how it goes though? Like, you know, you want your yeah. friend to play with you. So you're kind of just like, well, yeah, you can come with us. Cause let's just go back to the story. Like, this is your new yeah. character. We get it. So
1: yeah. When, and I was bringing in new play. It's the same thing as if you bring a new player into your game, right? Like say somebody schedule no longer works. So you have to kind of write their character out of the story Yeah, and maybe they're not dead, but they're gone. And now you've found another person that's going okay. He, they're going to take the seat. Well, you still got to bring that character in too, and if you, if it's important to have a a good storyline, if that's what you're trying to do with your campaign, then that becomes much more of a a job for you as a GM. Whereas if storyline's not as big a deal for you and it's just about action combat and and dungeon delving and that we don't really care about that, then it's not such a hard thing for you. So you set up how difficult it is going to be for you because yeah. if you put emphasis on story then you've got to do a lot. Like, I did extra sessions to bring our new characters in um, for the Storm King Thunder one, because we've had lots of people come in and out of that game, and we had to figure out, well, why is this person here now, and why is this person Mm. gone, and how did the new person get here? We've had one resurrection. They were high enough level that their bard had died in a battle, and one of the NPCs felt bad and offered to pay for the resurrection. So they took the body to the next town, paid and had it resurrected. Because in Dungeons and Dragons, the reality is, I think a resurrection is like five thousand gold pieces or something like that. It's not. I don't know off the top of my terrible. head, but it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's not terrible if you're fifth level and past. Yeah. Like before that, unattainable. But the moment you hit fifth level and past, all of a sudden, resurrection's a very easy thing to acquire, um, and you can move on that
0: way too. Yeah. So. Isn't the path of the zealot barbarian, don't they get to like resurrect for free? Isn't that, yeah. Oh, you're muted, I think.
1: Oh yeah, no material yeah. cost. They can just do yep. it. That's one, yep. Yeah. And they're doing so... like divine power uh, on their strikes. It's mm-hmm. gonna
0: be good. <laughs> and this kind of like bringing this full circle back to our that original question that we got um, about how can you make that final battle more intense or more cinematic, um, definitely kill somebody. Like drop them down to zero, like maybe you're, and I'm just thinking back to when I was playing Tomb of Horrors and Tomb of Horrors is obviously like super difficult and meant to just kill the players. But like the level of panic and urgency with my players when I dropped like three of the five of them all at once um, through one ability that the Lich had. Uh, they were just like, are you, what, what do we do? And it's like, yep, you're all down. Like drink your healing potions. What are you going to do now? Kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Maybe your big bad evil guy has a um, like power word kill and the players don't know how often he can do this, but maybe he can only do it once. Or you reroll it on a, on a one D six on a six, he can cast it again kind of a thing. But like starting off that fight with, Oh, you're like the full hit point fighter, like roll a, constitution saving throw now you're either at half your hit points or you're at zero like that would be that would be intense just make up a a spell like that
1: you know you want to panic your party right this this one threw my party into the biggest panic i've ever seen yeah they were they were tracking down something that had killed a ranger in the forest i think And so somebody had followed some tracks and they went to a cave and they're all big, bad, tough adventurers. And they thought, Oh, it's probably going to be something like an owl bear or some creature, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll be, it'll be bad. But so we're going to go in the cave and they all lined up in that cave entrance. And that's when the Oni, which is a form of a giant hit them with cone of cold. And all of them took a huge hit from damage immediately every one of them and all of a sudden they scattered like mice and one ran away and ran up a tree the others didn't want to be next to anybody else and the Oni then turned himself invisible and started stalking the players because the minute you hit them with an aoe they scatter so Mm -hmm. then he was he was invisible he would pop out and hit somebody who was scattered they were so freaked out the whole time in that whole battle and and really they weren't in a ton of danger because he didn't really have much right. else he was going to be able to do, but I've never seen them panic and play their characters so poorly. Like they were <laughs> in literal panic, their heads, they couldn't figure out what to do and they were making really bad choices and I was loving it. And it was just a really good session. So hit him with a big AOE of yeah. some sort where it doesn't kill him, but all of a sudden it's like four or five dice of damage of some sort Man, they just freak out.
0: <laughs> no, it's the same thing with uh, the one shot that I wrote. Like they they fight a dragon at the end, and this and all of my players when I ran it, they were in this nice little like funnel shaped cone, and so I did my like f- cone of fire, and it hit all of them, and they were like, maybe we shouldn't have been uh, in that marching order like that. And I'm like, that was your call. Like you guys walked in like this, so but you're right. Yeah. And then they did. They scattered because everybody took what was that like 3d8 damage or something ridiculous. And so most of them were, were, were down anywhere from 60 to 70% of their hit points, you know? So, yep, it's fun. But overall, I I'm having a lot of fun with adventure league. Like it's, now I'm kind of in a consistent group and although that's going to change next week because our DM just said that he's not going to be there the next two weeks. But I, I'm seeing the 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 fun of it. If you can get in a consistent group and kind of play with the same people, um, there's like three people at my table that I really, really enjoy. And they're just fun players. They haven't played D&D before. I think I was talking about this with you off camera last week where I was just like, I should just volunteer to run a game for you guys because they were kind of like, they don't really know how to play. And they came to adventures league because they like the idea of D and D, but they don't know where to go to like find it. And I was like, oh, I should run yeah. a game for you guys. So that would be fun.
1: I'm, I'm in that space now that when I, when I bump into people that say, Hey, I haven't played D and D before, but I've been hearing about it or been thinking yeah. about wanting to do it. I'm like, I it's impossible for me to not say to them, Oh, let me run a game for you. I'll, I'll run a game for you. Let, let's play some yeah. D&D. like <laughs> anybody that's new and wants to play. And they tell me it's like, I I'm irresistible and I can't not run a game for them. Cause I love it. They're, they're the best players ever are the new ones that have just started hearing about it. And it's just, I I'm, I'm just having a great time. Like your, uh, them. your,
0: uh, Crypts of Kellenvor. we were just talking about yeah. the, the lady that's playing in that with you. Like she was just really yeah. excited about playing D and D and it's been a, fun experience for you and her so
1: yeah definitely it's so good and it's just introducing games to people is fun you know like when yeah. You have yeah and, and my question was for adventure league when are we gonna see or hear about the jordan running the adventure league game
0: i know well they're they're good on dms right now but, um, I was going to, I was going to go in cause you have to do a background check, I guess, in order to be a DM for adventures league, which is no big deal. Oh, right. Like you I'll pass a that. background check, but like the DMS are interacting with kids and things like that. So I'm sure that wizards of the coast has that safety net there just to make sure that they don't get the super weirdos, pl- uh, trying to be like, well, I'm going to run a game and then I'm going to like hit on this girl or something. And it's like, no, you have to be a little more professional if you're going to be a DM. But, um, one of the guys that I was playing with, he took the plunge. He was just like, "No, they were they need a DM." So I like volunteered to be a DM and I'm like, "Oh, cool." Um and I should do the same, but I honestly don't get to play that much. And so it's been fun to have at least I can play in Adventures League, you know, like I can run these other games and I can do that. And I don't I say I don't get to play much, but I'm playing Numenera and Adventures League now. But like before, I was always running games and so it's kind of fun to just like I like my bard. I'm leveling up my bard. Although I I said this on Twitter, I lost my bard mini. I think I left it at Adventures League, and I'm like, it's probably gone forever now. So we went to the game store yesterday, and I bought a new mini so that I can, like, whatever. um, I'm going to try and use some of my wife's acrylic paints and see if I can't, like, learn how to paint minis. I'm going to watch some YouTube videos. That's my next my next D and D expanding my hobby of D and D. I'm going to try and get into this whole like miniature painting thing that people do.
1: <laughs> nice. Nice. It's fun. Um, this was a question I also had about like, I, I, I haven't asked my game store, but on the night they run adventure league, is that the only night they run Adventure
0: League? Is there a certain night at your game store that you're going to? It's only one night a week? It's only one night a week, yeah. And usually it's Wednesdays, um, but the game store can decide when they want to run it. So my game store runs it on Thursdays, actually. So. And
1: do they let people run games that are not Adventure League on that night?
0: Um I don't know about that night, but I know in general they let people run games. Like I think you have to reserve the table, and you might have to buy so many like packs of magic cards or something in order to allow them to be like, okay, if everybody spends $5, we'll let you have this table for four hours kind of a thing. Yeah, because I
1: was thinking my game store, and I don't want to dig on them because I think they're a pretty good game store, Mm -hmm. but their business nights that they let people come in and use tables in the game store are mostly reserved for... Card players versus letting groups of RPers come in, RPG people come in and use tables. So, uh, because I went in there to say, you know, can we run a game here? If I just bring in a bunch of people and we want to sit here and play a game in a game store, because why wouldn't you want to play with your friends in the middle of a game store? That just sounds quintessential D D, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they only have Wednesday night that they do that. All their other nights, their tables are used for card tournaments and yeah, and other stuff. And I was just like, man, it just feels like you're missing the boat. If you're not offering that for people to come in and just play at your store, because nobody's going to come into that store week after week after week and not buy stuff. Yeah, you can't be surrounded by super cool gaming stuff and not buy it. There's no way. So it just I, I think the card me.
0: model is just more profitable, which makes sense because people oh, yeah, are like they make tons of money. Yeah, like they're buying new cards, they're coming to play, they're just like, oh, you have that card. I better buy like four more booster packs and see if I can get it. So I totally understand that D&D is not bringing in as much money. But I know my game store has Saturday nights is play whatever board game you want to play. And they have one group that plays D&D in the back. And then the rest of them are just like, you can just show up and play whatever board games they have. Like, no, you don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to do anything. Like, the idea is just try board games and see if you like them. And maybe you'll pick them up is kind of the idea. But they have definitely some people that play D&D in the back. So...
1: All right, well, but. we need to make a pledge here that uh, if you win the lottery, or I win the lottery. We're yeah. going gonna to build that game store. <laughs> and every night, you can come and play Dungeons and Dragons at a table. I don't care. That would be if fun. Magic makes us more money. We're going to have <laughs> tables for, We've for got lottery Pathfinder, money, so we're good. Dungeons and Dragons, Numenera, whatever <laughs> you want to play. There's going to be tables for you. I, I swear it. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Sweet. Oh, that's well, we're good. coming up. Anything else? We're coming up on our 50 minutes.
1: Yeah. Um, this is the last show of this month. Um, I would love to mention that next month, uh, on our show, I will be announcing our, uh, little, um, why did it just leave my head contest, not really contest, but if you subscribe to the Twitch channel next week's Saturday for the next month, uh, right? Yep. For the next month, I will be contacting you if you want me to run a one shot with you and, Who knows, some of the cast members from other shows, maybe some new people that I meet. I'm going to try to meet some people at the convention and try to get, you know, look for people that I like, look for people that I get along with while I'm playing and say, hey, you should come play on my channel. So I'm going to try to do some networking while I'm there also today. So hopefully we'll have some new players for new stuff. So keep an eye out for that. So it's always the first Saturday morning Dungeons & Dragons show of the month. I offer a chance for you guys to play in a one-shot done by lucian and in fact indoor adventure has gotten three games out of me so he's he one of <laughs> the ones that took me up on it the at the beginning of the month and he's gotten three games so that's pretty good
0: yeah that's awesome and it's a fun game you can you guys can check that out on uh youtube on sir lucian's youtube channel yeah. um or probably the vod is probably still here on twitch but, I do highlights on the Twitch yeah. so
1: that they're always there, but I also put it up on YouTube for those that want to go. But over it's
0: so far stuff. a fun game. I caught the tail end of it um, this Wednesday, yeah. and it was it was fun. So
1: good dynamic lighting, good maps, good good stuff. It's yeah. been.
0: I love it. I love Ogre it. zombies. It was great.
1: <laughs> Ogre zombie. Rage zombie. Yeah. yeah thank Rage you guys
0: <laughs> so much for coming out. The chat was especially awesome today. Um, I see we have a grip of the green here and Cyberwolf. It's always fun to see you. So thank you guys so much for coming in and indoor adventure, You're awesome. And I should say you guys, I should find a link to it, but um, indoor adventure, I've been going to your uh, YouTube channel and you make some, you've only made like two or three videos, I think now, but like they're really, really awesome. So definitely check out Indoor Adventure's YouTube channel. Um, I'll try try to to
1: post your link in there, Indoor. Yeah, post your link
0: in there, Indoor Adventure, because your channels, you got some great videos. And I'll put a link in the doobly-doo of the description of this on YouTube. But, yeah, thank you guys so much for coming out. I don't know, Jordan. There's lots of people in chat. We should just keep going for a little. little yeah, longer. I've I got I have errands <laughs> to run though. Like, I, I feel really oh, bad. Oh, you got a game tonight? You didn't even talk about. It. You have a game tonight? I do. Yeah, I have a game tonight. Um, and they are going to explore Yuanti Temple. Um, so we're rescheduling cause tomorrow is Easter and both April fools. And I don't think they wanted to play on April fools to see what I would throw at them. You've but... got to do an April fools session. Yeah. <laughs> April fools. D and D game would be super fun. I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> but no, it's like, all oh, the, so... the monster rolled
1: a one April fools. It's a 20. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, uh, run into an ancient blue dragon, April fools. It's a gelatinous cube. Like yeah. Jordan, those are still it... bad things. And they're like, yeah, well, <laughs> but no, yeah, uh, we're going to play tonight. So, I've got to prep my game, but I've also got some errands to run. Um real life stuff. I'm doing this like children's improv game um where we're oh, going nice. to like take suggestions from kids and make like a children's story from that. And so I have to go to rehearsal today and like learn how to improv for kids apparently. Um it's cool. going to be a lot of fun, but I'm really nervous as to how it's going to work. I got to trust the guy that's running it. <laughs> Cuz I'm like, "You want to do what now?" But I signed up Gelatinous for it. Gelatinous
1: Dragon. There you go. Just start smashing things together. Gelatinous Dragon. Gelatinous I like Dragon.
0: It. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so thank good. you guys so much for coming out. Um, yeah, check out Indoor Adventure, and be sure to uh, check out next Saturday for the Saturday Morning D&D Show. We're live on Twitch every Saturday, uh, 12 p.m. Pacific, or uh, Eastern Time, I should say, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. And that's it. With that, we're going to leave. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.